Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Brandon Zinner of News Press Now in St. Joe, Missouri, as we'll get his thoughts on the Chiefs. Also, uh, some D2 football up there, the MIAA Conference of Champions. Uh, he covers that league, in particular Missouri Western and a Northwest Missouri State. So we'll get his insights on uh, what exactly is going on up there when uh, Brandon joins us here in just a few minutes from right now. Had a week off last week as I was in uh, Minneapolis accepting some awards from the Native American Journalism Association and uh, very honored to uh, get those awards and appreciate all the support and all the positive feedback over the last couple of days. But uh, we got back after it, uh, came back to do high school football and KU and the Chiefs last weekend. And uh, we're uh, back in gear this week here on the Jones Report. And uh, Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, what do you think of Mike Posner? You know what? I am more interested in the fact that you didn't win an award for the best tomfoolery. What would be the the best tomfoolery you think that we should have you won know, for? You know, my, one of my favorite ones was Mayo, Florida. Mayo, Florida, yes. Uh, that got picked yeah, up. Yeah, we, we, we got the best. We got a response from Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip, I think we won an award with Miracle Whip. Like, that was enough satisfaction in itself. Oh, man. I don't even know what kind of award. Miracle Whip for life? I would have to just give that away. Because you, like, like, hey, you don't like mayonnaise, you, right? Uh, I would sell my Miracle Whip for life for a Bedlam ticket and, like, a, a, a case of beer, maybe. But who's going to take that by, I wonder? Uh, I don't Someone who loves Miracle Whip. Because you don't I like mean, mayonnaise, right? Uh, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't like ketchup, personally. Really? Yeah, I'm not sorry. Not even Whataburger spicy ketchup? No, no, I will you're, not do ketchup. You're a sinner. You are a sinner. You're a sinner for not liking mayonnaise. No, mayonnaise is the devil's work. Mayonnaise is good, and you're going to hell. No, you're going to rest on the ketchup mountain in hell and Waterbird the Waterburger owner is gonna be right there waiting for you to put a rat in the deep fryer. I mean, you're going to hell anyway just for being you, but I'll save you a seat. On top of that, the fact that you don't like mayonnaise, like mayonnaise is good. You don't need no, a lot of not. it. It's no. just a nice spread. No, you don't even like petting zoos, okay? <laughs> <laughs> petting zoos, like, why would anyone want to go to a petting you would, zoo? You would kill one of the petting zoo's goats and then put mayonnaise on a goat sandwich. I could see you doing that. You know, that Just doesn't automatic sound... automatic sin. That doesn't sound like a bad idea, actually. That's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, this The only from... thing I would eat with mayonnaise, and if that's how I, it's because I've had to, is if we ate Nolan's <laughs> rabbits. And would that you... would be it. I know you'd put ketchup on Nolan's rabbits. No, you know, I'm not a huge ketchup fan. Only on fries. Um, I'm a mustard fan. I'll put mustard on anything. So you'd put mustard on rabbits? I'm sure it'd be probably good. <laughs> I'm not even a big fan of rabbits, uh, but just for the fact that we could eat Nolan's rabbits, you know, half, uh, literally 95% of the show doesn't even know about Nolan even having rabbits. 90% of the show, I feel like, doesn't even know who Nolan is. We talk about him all the time. We give him, we ought to start charging a sponsorship fee 
Right, the Jones it's Report. We talk about Nolan. He didn't even listen to the show. The Jones That's Report the presented by Nolan and his rabbits. That would get us a one-star review. Yeah, that would. Uh, we might as well cancel the show at that point. Right? It's like, okay, well. It was a good run. Yeah, it was a good run, but uh, Nolan, uh, his rabbits uh, canceled it. Yeah. Um, ha- have you ever had Squirrel? No, I refuse. I've never had Squirrel either. I, I know somebody. Uh, there was a neighbor I had. Uh, a Chinese neighbor that would uh, oh would, yeah would kill rabbits and then like make a squirrel or not rabbits uh, uh, squirrels and would make a squirrel salad. No, <laughs> should have burned their house down. Oh, uh, maybe not. Nobody, nobody does that. Yeah, that's not ideal. That's squirrel not squirrel salad. <laughs> squirrel salad. All the things we can make with squirrel. You're going to make a salad? <laughs> no. And put mayonnaise on it? Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, even tuna. People, like, put more mayonnaise than tuna in there. I don't even like tuna. That's, like, the worst combo in the whole wide world. Oh, I love tuna salad. You get me a good tuna no. salad, I'm all over that. No, that's you're a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm not eating squirrels or rabbits. Right, right. You're eating Hellman's. You're a Hellman's guy. Well, no, we're we're pro Miracle Whip podcast, Tom. I, I guess. Mayo you Florida. know, if that's the case, we ought to really think about uh, being a pro Louisiana hot sauce podcast. Yeah. Because if you want to just talk about some good quality sauce, you're probably going with Louisiana. The uh, the sauce is the boss. It is. I'm it not is a big fan. Good. I'm not a big fan of hot sauce. I'm not a big fan of hot stuff, to be honest with you. No, see, you're missing out. You are missing out on life, really. Okay. Once you, once you conquer, once you conquer the the hotness, then you're good. You're good for life. Like when I go to Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, you get the mild. Don't, you don't even get the mild. I get. I go with mild wings. Yes. Yeah, I can see you as a honey barbecue guy. Honey barbecue or Parmesan garlic. Parmesan garlic. Okay. I like the spicy garlic myself. I can get down with the Parmesan garlic though. Can you? But not the mayonnaise wings. Not the mayonnaise wings. Yeah, I'm not touching mayonnaise wings. Uh, I'm out on that. Tom, uh, the what is it now? Fourth week of uh, college football in the books. Fifth week looking ahead, and uh, not a great week for the uh, Big Twelve last week uh, on that front. As uh, the big one was uh, Oklahoma State and uh, Texas. That was kind of the game of the week in the conference, and. Uh, you were at that game. What was, was. Mike, what was Mike Gundy thinking on that fake field goal? No, I don't know. And uh, I mean, aside from that, because it was a, one of the dumbest plays ever, I will say I went in 2015, right? Texas was not back. I don't think Texas is still back. I really don't. Uh, because OSU could have won that game. But the stadium, let me tell you, so that's that, – that, Stadium seats, like, I don't know, what is it, 107,000? Yeah, when that's Bill ridiculous. When I went in 2015, the whole upper deck was empty, 
right? And that was before they were putting the bands in the upper upper echelon of that stadium, which I think is ridiculous. And I think OSU should do exactly the same. I think every Big 12 should put Texas's band outside the stadium because I think that's unacceptable. Well, you know, the um, other thing that Texas does is that they uh, they charge the band for their seats, too. Yeah, and, and that should just be unacceptable. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, and then to put them as high as they do, I couldn't even – Jones, I couldn't even hear the band. I think that was yeah. their – I think that's the idea, Tom. Right, I get that, but that's that's not sportsmanship. I mean, like, if they score on you, that's the whole point. Right. Of, like, saying, you know, like, hey, we're here to, like, put a hurt on you. Or, well, you know, we're here to put, you know, that's why the band comes. Right. Uh, I couldn't even hear the band, and I was sitting, like, 21 rows from the field in the end zone. No one likes the uh, band. No one likes bands, though. I mean, like, you know, let's be honest. Uh, if you're an away visitor, you like the band. I mean, the band, What what's the band good for? You know, like, okay, uh, so you for, can tell that story know, about how this time, this one spirit, time at band okay? camp. I enjoy it. I wholeheartedly Were, were you it. in the band? No, I was not. But I wholeheartedly, like, enjoy hearing OSU's band uh, because I like doing the, doing the whole motions. Um, and... Just so for that, I hope that Texas, when they go visit people, they put them in the worst possible spot. I think they have it coming. Um, they deserve every ounce of it. Anyway. Do you think the Rams need a – won that, and I will say, Jones, that is the biggest or the most people that I've ever seen in the stadium. Do you, uh, do you, think, the, do you think the Rams need a band? Uh, I would be all for one. <laughs> the the Rammies? I don't know about that. That's a little over the top. But I will say that's the most people I've ever seen in a stadium, and it's one of the loudest that I've ever heard a stadium ever in my entire life. Is that the uh, biggest atmosphere you've just been in, period? Uh, I mean, compared to 2015, because I had a lot of room, and they switched the student sections around, where I ended up pretty much in the student section, in the nearest OSU fan near me, was about 20 yards away to the right. And it was miserable. Yeah. Uh, because I was the only Oklahoma State fan within a 20-yard radius. The biggest atmosphere I've ever been in, Tom, that uh, I can remember is I went to the Royals World Series Parade, and there was about a half a million people there. Yeah, that, that'll do it. That'll do it. I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about that. But uh, Texas, they got one loss in the year. That's to LSU. They didn't look very impressive against Oklahoma State. This team's got a lot of problems, and you know, a lot of injuries. Yeah, they don't have any running backs. Hey, Keontae Ingram is good enough to get the job done. I will say on defense, though, if you got to watch that game, you would have seen how many injuries Texas faked. Uh, because it looked like every big OSU momentum play, a Texas player was hurt. So much for uh, cornerback you, right? Right, because now they're like saying, hey, well, uh, if you, you know, if you play defensive line, I bet you can play safety because it's getting to that point. 
right. uh, for Texas. And, and it's, you know, they've got, what, two weeks before they play OU? Yeah. But yeah, probably, yeah, two and a half. Yeah, right, two weeks. Um, and that's just not boding well because Jalen Hurts looks unstoppable. I know they had a bye week, and I would love not to talk about OU. Who are they played, though? Who's OU played right. at this point, though? Their their record, their opponent's record right now is not great. It's like one and nine. Right, but you know what? Still, it's encouraging to see Jalen Hurts come into a program that he's never been in and succeed like no OU quarterback's ever done. I grant, granted, North Dakota's not anybody. UCLA, I cannot believe what they pulled off this weekend, uh, and I can't even remember who OU played the first game. That would be Houston, and uh, Houston has lost two games since then. Right, okay. So there you go. Maybe, I mean, OU plays, who do they have this weekend? Tech? Tech, yeah. Tech. Tech. Bowman coming to town. Bowman's hurt. Um, Bowman's and, hurt. And that, team, and that team lost to Arizona. Uh, so, I'm not, I'm trying to think. OU's first real test is going to be Texas, and then that's going to be a rivalry game. I mean... Oh no, they have they have tech and then they have KU. What a schedule. Right? When you right. when you look at that, the Big Twelve is not what we thought it was gonna be. No, uh, not at all. Iowa State looks down. Oklahoma State is kinda who we thought they would be. Same with Baylor. Texas right. is worse than I think than most of us anticipated. I mean, is you know, K State, I guess, is the the big one that's surprising everybody. Um, you know, and, and they face a real tough test this week against Oklahoma State. An impressive win against Mississippi State on the road. That wasn't bad, and they're coming off a of bye week. Right. That was impressive. New head coach in Kleiman. Did you know this, Tom? Skyler Thompson right now is rated as the number one quarterback in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. They must be too much miracle whip. Um, you know, they do, they have a system for it, you know, all the charting and such. That's pretty good. Um, he's playing well. And so K-State coming in with, uh, some momentum, this would be a good, uh, test to figure out how good that K-State team is. But would it be a stretch to say, Tom, that Oklahoma has a shot at this point with the Big 12 being down per se, and then, you know, going through their non-con pretty easy. Do you think OU can go unbeaten in Big 12 play? I don't think that's out of the realm. Granted, we you know, we just talked about their their opponents, and, you know, for what it's worth, I think KU could hang uh, with the Dakotas, um, not North Dakota State, that is. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, probably, I, about, I think, probably about half I the Big North 12 Dakota can't State hang with North Dakota State. A better fight. North Dakota State would have put up a better fight than any of OU's opponents thus far. That's not out. Of, that's not crazy to say either. But no. um, I mean, OU has got the job done so far. Um, credit to them; they've taken care of business and they looked really good. Um, I mean, there were more OU fans at the UCLA game, arguably, than there were UCLA fans. And I, you know, I get that they weren't that good, and it was a that's a uh, a, an inexcusable loss for Mike Leach in, at Washington State. Right. That I mean, one that made was, no sense. Yeah, that – I thought Mike Gundy coached a bad game, but then I felt a little bit better after I saw that UCLA come back on Washington State. They blew a 34-point lead in that game 
at home to lose to UCLA. That didn't make any sense. The game I'm watching for, and we're going to pick this later on in our in our picks against the spread, so we won't say our picks yet. This week is that Iowa State Baylor game, kind of a measuring stick of that you know bottom half of the Big Twelve. Iowa State, you know they they lost to Iowa in a week three in a very close contest, eighteen to seventeen. They bounced back and score seventy points against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, just a couple days ago, you know, on Saturday last week. Baylor, on the other end, uh, they have started out their uh, football season uh, right now. They are undefeated so far to this point, but nothing just jumps off the page. I mean, they barely beat Rice. Um, I mean, they beat UTSA pretty bad and Stephen F. Austin pretty bad, but their defense hasn't looked that great. Um, Baylor and Iowa State... I mean, it's not going to be one that's going to draw a national audience by any means, but good league game and a good test. Uh, Brock Purdy versus uh, Charlie Brewer. Who, who do you who do you like in that quarterback matchup? Which quarterback would you rather have, Tom? You know, it sounds terrible because we talked about this, and I saw you last weekend. Um, and you know how I feel. Uh, you know how I feel by a mile about Iowa State. I was rooting for Iowa, and that was embarrassing for them. So for them to bounce back and score as many points, uh, to for you know, you are not allowed to root against the Big Twelve ever. That was a you know, that was a cardinal I sin I by will you. Do it time again, uh, I'm going to Ames. Um, I am allowed. Anyway, with that said, um, I will. No, we won't get to the big chat. I did foreshadow. I like Brock Purdy. Do you? Really? I do. I like Purdy over Brewer. I'm not a huge fan of Charlie Brewer. Why? I, I'm just, well, first off, I'm not a huge fan of Baylor. Uh, never, I, I like, no, I can't even say that. Can't even say that. I like Baylor more than I like Iowa State for obvious reasons, being an OSU fan. Um, but I, I like uh, I like Brock Purdy uh, better than I like Charlie Brewer. I mean, that I, I think you would say the same, Mr. Iowa State. You didn't give me any specifics there. What specifically does does Purdy do better than Brewer? Uh, a lot of things. I, don't, I I mean, I haven't studied either quarterback hard enough, but I've seen <laughs> enough from Brock Purdy that is going to outrule Charlie Brewer. Okay. Um, I would no. I was no. I'm no. Never mind. I was going to say Sam Del or Delton, but no. Um, you, Alex Delton. Me. Right, no. Not, it's not that bad. Alex Dunn's uh, already been benched at this point. Um, right. There's, there's, a few quarter, there's a few quarterbacks in, in the Big 12 that I would – okay, let's just run run, run down. Jalen Hurts, Spencer Sanders. Not This is not in any specific order. Uh, just saying quarterbacks in the Big 12 that I would take before Charlie Brewer. Jalen Hurts, Spencer Sanders, Skylar Thompson, Brock Purdy. Okay. Uh, Let's see who else. Not Delton. Um, Bowman. I would take Bowman before the him. Man, maybe that's controversial. I don't know. So there's five of the teams. Okay. Uh, I would take a Carter Stanley versus Boston College over Charlie Brewer. That I think we might not see that Carter Stanley ever again. Yeah, you're probably right. So okay, so five out of the ten. I think he's middle of the pack. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That is, um, I think Baylor's about middle of the pack. I say that until they come into Stillwater on homecoming and beat us, but knock on wood. 
Um, but I mean, Charlie Brewer's not bad. But I mean, I think you would agree that that Brock Purdy's has the edge. Brock Purdy's more athletic. He's got a better arm. He's more accurate. Um, I mean, he just does everything better than Charlie Brewer does. I mean, that's not a knock on Charlie Brewer. No, no. Charlie Brewer is a decent college quarterback, but nothing really beyond that, per se. Right. right. Um, I mean, Brock Purdy's not Jalen Hurts either. You know, he's not top tier. But at the same time, I mean, he's not done a terrible – I mean, last year, you, you and your Brocktober – um, it's almost know, that time, by the way. He's had a he's had a good run so far, and an arguably a better run um, under uh, under Matt Campbell. And and you can even compare Rule and Campbell just a little bit. I think Campbell has been there longer, obviously, to have something to work with. And I think Matt Rule had a, a, a terrible situation coming in, and and what he's done with Baylor, uh, given the circumstances, has been uh, circumstantial to say anything. Uh, so with that, I, I mean, with the line, the theme is, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be one of those games that, like you said, flies under the radar, not national attention. But if your team doesn't play at the same time, I would pick that game over a lot of games right. to watch because it's going to be that competitive. Yeah, I think so. Uh, another league game, TCU takes on KU. KU won this game a year ago. Alex Delton not going to start for TCU. Uh, Max Dugan, the true freshman, will get the start for TCU. He's played pretty well in the uh, first couple weeks. Jalen Rager, out of that wide receiver position, has been unbelievable for TCU. And this has been a good year for receivers in the Big 12 Conference, Tom, when you talk about uh, you know the uh, you know Tylon Wallace and CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Rager. He's right up there with those two, I think. Um KU's chances this week against TCU. They have two wins on the season. You're trying to look and see if you can find, you know, another win or two or maybe even three in Big 12 play. Missed an opportunity last week against West Virginia. I don't know if this is the one, per se, for KU to get it done. I would pick TCU to win this game, but, I mean, Les Miles, I feel like I can't count him out in these games against teams that aren't that far off. I don't think this is going to be uh, a game that TCU can just blow the doors off Kansas. I think they can win, but I, I think this can stay within 10 points. I think so. Where's the game at? Uh, Fort Worth. You know, I mean, in Amon G. Carter, yeah, right, is is not that big of a stadium. No, it only seats 45,000. Right. It's probably the smallest college stadium I've ever been to in, in, in D1. And, you know, it's not like TCU's that loud. It's not – you know, you don't go into Amy G. Carter and you're not scared. You're it's not an like, 11 a.m. Yeah, kickoff. Right. Right. It's not – it's not anything. I think Les Miles can pull it off, and, and it's not – that's not a knock on Gary by any means. Um, but freshman quarterback, uh, I think Les Miles can pull this off. Uh, I think they should have pulled off the West Virginia win. Um, and if they can – if they can harbor any of that Boston College spirit, I, I think they can win this game. If Alex Delton somehow plays quarterback, if uh, if we see like an injury of some sorts to uh, uh, to Dugan and Alex Delton gets in there, give me Kansas to win this game. I would feel very. I like, you know, good. I'll say it outright. I like Kansas this week. How many, What's this? What's the spread? 
Um, the spread, I believe, uh, last I checked, is four on this game. I was going to say TCU by four. Kansas, I think, can pull this off. Okay, so you're going to go out there and say Kansas wins. I'll take TCU. I'm going for the Jayhawks this week, baby. Okay, I like it. I'm all in on the rock shot. Tom, I like the confidence uh, from you in, in regards to the Jayhawks this week. I'm going to go TCU, but I, I hope I'm wrong uh, as far as that goes uh, when these uh, two teams meet uh, coming up this weekend. That's 11 a.m. Oh, uh, did I say four? Fifteen and a half. Uh, my mistake there. Uh, slight difference on that line. <laughs> You're kidding me. Fifteen and a half. That's crazy. Okay, Kansas has got to cover. Yeah, I'll take Kansas to cover, too, uh, in this game, as far as that goes. Moving on, National Football League. I was at the Chiefs-Ravens game on uh, Sunday, Tom, and that Chiefs offense has figured out something in the second quarter. 28 points against the Raiders in the second quarter, 23 against the uh, Ravens in the second quarter this week, and... I felt like that they won by more than what the score indicated. The score showed that they won the game by six, um, or by five, actually, when really they led the entire game. Um, right now, it, it feels like the AFC is the Chiefs and Patriots and then everybody else at this point. Many thought the Ravens were the third-best team in the league, but it felt like it first third-best team in the AFC, rather. It felt like at times the Ravens didn't even belong on the same field as the Chiefs uh, from what we saw on uh, on Sunday when those two teams got together. Right, right. It, it, you know, in a way it did. I had actually listened to that game on the way home from Austin. Uh, I listened to the San Francisco 49ers and your Steelers as well um, and listened to the Saints-Seahawks. But, uh, you know, that game came down to – I wouldn't say the end, but there were a few plays that I, I think Kansas – I mean, any game, really, for an NFL team, you can always find places to get better. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, that game wasn't bad. It wasn't like Casey blew them out. But, as you said, the points were six, and it felt like Casey had – but they had control of the game the whole way through. Right. Um, and that's not a knock on the Ravens at all because you know, I think they can be the right there in the playoffs as well. They might be playing the Chiefs in the divisional round. We might we might see this matchup in KC again. We very well could. We could um, see the, these two teams tangle once again. But Kansas City, Tom, you know they're they're playing shorthanded. You, Damon Williams is out. Tyreek Hill's out. Eric Fisher, they're starting left tackles out. Former number one overall pick. Um, LaShawn McCoy banged up his ankle a little bit. He's, uh, you know, he's questionable for this week's game. Chiefs are playing shorthanded, but these guys are still playing like everybody's healthy. The offense has not missed a beat one bit. I mean, Chris Robinson has looked like a number one wide receiver and, you know, he's their number four receiver on that roster. I mean, it's just unreal that the next man up mentality that Patrick Mahomes has been able to just get the ball in these guys' hands and make this work, that it hasn't mattered who's, who's been the on the field. Uh, McCall Hardman has been what? terrific. Oh, incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it just has not mattered who's been on the field. Patrick Mahomes has been able to get the ball in his playmaker's hands and make him work. Yeah, I mean, it's literally been the Patrick Mahomes show. Even, even, And I think this is a little overstated. And, that, you know, maybe as a Chiefs fan you're going to tell me I'm crazy. 
But they compared Mahomes to Aikman, and I thought, well, you know, let's win a Super Bowl first, and then we can have this discussion. Did you hear what Aikman said? Uh, I, I kind of did. I didn't get the full quote. Uh, he said, what did he say? Pretty much he didn't care. So the quote was, there was a, a podcast in Kansas City that said that uh, that a Patrick Mahomes had thrown for uh, somewhere around 33% of the touchdowns that Troy Aikman had for his entire career in a span of just 8% of the games. Uh, and, uh, and then Troy Aikman responded and said, let me know when uh, he's won 30% of, 33% of my Super Bowls. Okay, that's fair, too. And, and, and you know, this is this goes back, and, and this relates to the NFL just as it does the NBA. We, we talk about defensive players and, and how they played, and, and you look at, even as much as I hate him, you look at Kawhi, the game's not as physical. There's a lot more fouls called in the NBA, just the same as there is in the NFL, that the game's not as tough. And, and back when Troy Eggman played, it wasn't pass first. You didn't see a Big 12 spread offense necessarily like you do with the Chiefs. It was a run-first league when Troy Aikman played. Uh, yeah, and, he had Emmitt Smith. Right. I mean, yeah, duh. Like, you had Emmitt Smith. And, and, and KC, yeah, they've, you know, they've had their share of good running backs, obviously, over the years. Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt. Granted, it didn't work out that well for that. But uh, still, at the same time, it was a run-first league back then. So, what could have Troy Aikman got? And that's not a knock on Patrick Mahomes. It's not a knock on Troy Aikman. It's just that's just how the game was played. Um, and so to say that you know Mahomes has 33% of the yards or whatever it may be in his second year, you know times have changed. And and I've said it again. It's not a knock on either player. That's just how the game's played now. Um, and would it be insane to say that Mahomes passes Aikman? No, not at all. Um, does that make Aikman any less of a quarterback that a, a guy from Texas Tech can come in that didn't really do anything in the Big 12 can come in and surpass a great like Troy Aikman? No. Uh, I mean, at this point, if he continues to have the receiver play uh, that he does, I mean, it wouldn't be crazy to say that Mahomes might go down as one of the best, or not necessarily one of the best, but maybe one of the best with the most yards. Right, right. I, I think that's uh, that's very fair to say. You know, it's it's a different league than it was then. Uh, who knows what Troy Aikman would have done in uh, this type of offense nowadays if uh, you would have let him unleash like that? I mean, just it, it's unfair to compare the two. But Patrick that goes Mahomes, for a lot of old quarterbacks, right? Now. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you think about this, too. If you want to talk about, like, old quarterbacks compared to what they do now, Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls with the Steelers, and that was back before the days of offensive coordinators. He called his own plays, and nobody gives Terry Bradshaw the respect or credit he deserves when essentially he was an offensive coordinator on the field and led his team to four Super Bowl titles. That's stuff that just goes unmentioned and unnoticed how different things are now compared to what they were uh, back in those days. But uh, Patrick Mahomes on a record pace. And the other thing, too, with Mahomes, just real quick, Tom, is that going into this year, everyone had said 
that it was going to be hard for Patrick Mahomes to have as good of a year as he did previously, to put up similar numbers to what he did before just because his numbers were so incredible. Uh, a lot of folks out there said that, you know, if Patrick Mahomes is going to uh, take a step back of some sorts just because it was going to be hard to duplicate that. And somehow like a sophomore slump. Right. And somehow he's gotten better, which is just insane. This guy's got every tool that you can think of. I know a lot of people are trying to compare him to Steph Curry or whatever, which is just lazy, I think. In all actuality, he's exactly what you want in a quarterback, and he's in a system that allows him to be as efficient as possible. That has nothing to do with Steph Curry or anything like that. It just has to do with the product of the way he's played and the system that he's in go hand in hand. Right, exactly. I mean, put him on, put him on, you know, a team with no star receivers, and and it's not a knock. Like as I've said that again and again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, and I might be not a knock on Patrick Mahomes, but the Chiefs have done a great job in putting pieces around Mahomes to make him successful. Right. I mean, they have. I mean, that, that's attributes and uh, great teammates. You have Travis Kelsey. Last year, you had Tyree Kill. You have Sammy Watkins, who stepped out this year. You have Hardman, that is, has had a great rookie year. And when you have a great quarterback like Mahomes throwing to him, it's going to make them look great. And I'm not putting them on the same plane as Tom Brady can make, you know, players look as good as they are. But at the same time, the Chiefs have done a great job in a way that a lot of NFL teams who draft number one all quarterbacks, even though Mahomes wasn't number one overall or even in the first round, they've done what Dallas has tried to do, uh, even on a better level, to take a, a, a third-round quarterback and, and put pieces around him that are going to make him successful. Right. And you see a lot of teams that don't have the pieces. They draft a great quarterback but don't, work to get the pieces around that will make that person successful. Right. And for the Chiefs, that's, I mean, that's a, a testament to Andy Reid. That's a testament to the Chiefs organization that they would invest in a quarterback that they even took in the third round and then traded a quarterback like Alex Smith that didn't do a bad job. He just wasn't the future. Well, um, so the oversight just to correct of the you there, they used, has been to, great. To correct you there, Mahomes was the number 10 overall pick. In the uh, draft, oh, okay. and he was selected. I, he was, I was thinking he was third round. No, no, no. Dak was a, a was a third rounder, but no, no, oh, no. I mean, even then, even then, for the Chiefs, uh, they. I mean, I don't care if he was seventh over round. Look at Brady. Uh, they they consistently put pieces around him. Well, here's uh, the thing. Him here's the thing, and, Tom. And, here's the thing, is that when you look at Mahomes and this uh, this system that he's in, you know the the limited money he's making from being the number 10 pick and you know you're going to have to pay him 200 million dollars down the road there's a window of sorts for the chiefs to figure this all out that you have to take advantage of the personnel that you can put around him right now for that explosive offense that they have you don't know if this legion of zoom thing is going to be in existence two or three years from now when you have to pay the when you have to pay Mahomes and all of a sudden your cap is uh, taken up there comparably speaking of what it's not being taken up right now. It is so vital for the Chiefs. I know it's only year two of Patrick Mahomes, but it's vital for them to have like a win-now mentality of sorts this year and next to take advantage of this opportunity they have with that cap space. 
And and if you look back at the game the, this past, you know, last year, Chiefs Rams. I mean, they're on the same plane. Why? You know, I think Mahomes is obviously better than Goff. Uh, different, little different styles there. Uh, but the Rams are in the same boat. I, I get 100% what you're saying. It's win-now mode because you're going to have to eventually pay this person that has got you on this plane of greatness, uh, that you know has broken the chain for the Chiefs of first-round playoff losses. Uh, I mean, they broke that chain last year and were a couple penalties and a couple plays away from playing the Rams in the Super Bowl or playing the Saints if that suits your, you know, if that floats your boat. So it is win now. It is win now for them because they will have to pay Mahomes. And and the Rams paid Jared Goff a stupid amount of money. And if Goff got that much money, imagine what Patrick Holmes is going to get. Right, right. Mahomes is going to get over two hundred million dollars and be the highest paid player of the league when I mean, uh, MVP already. Right. In his first real year. Right. Right. I, I mean, it's just it's insane. And, and granted, they put the pieces around him to do that. Like I said again, I'm gonna, you know, I'm like a broken record here. Not a knock on Mahomes. It's a credit to what the Chiefs have been able to do. But at the same time, keep putting those pieces around him and do what you can now to go ahead and get the Super Bowl win. And and we're on a crash course to one of the best games maybe of the decade when we go and watch the Chiefs in Foxborough. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a hot ticket, no doubt about that. A couple of other NFL items here real quick. Mason Rudolph made his first career start on Sunday against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Two touchdowns, one interception, uh, You know, threw for over 200 yards. I believe his completion percentage was around 65%. And here's the thing with Mason Rudolph, Tom, and you tell me what you think on this, is – I think that the Steelers are fine with Rudolph, that they can invest with him in him and he could be their quarterback of the future. But I don't know necessarily how elite he's going to be. I think that Mason Rudolph, from what I've seen, from a very small sample size of the preseason and the time that he's had on the field, I don't know if he's ever a Pro Bowl talent, but I mean, based on what I've seen so far, I have no reason to think that He's just, you know, that he's not any worse than Mitch Trubisky is or anything like that. I mean, he could be a solid quarterback for the Steelers for years to come. You could possibly, if he plays just like he's doing right now, that could be enough where they could say, you know what, Ben, um, we're going to trade you and get something out of it, yeah, or you're going to retire and we're going to move on with Mason here. And then you got more money to spend on other positions because he's not costing you a whole lot either. And, and you know what? I know the Steelers are, what, 0-3 now? Yeah. And, and they might take a loss. And, and I, for for Mason's sake, I, I hope they get better because I don't want uh, the Dolphins to have the high of a pick. Uh, I'm not hating on the Dolphins. I just don't want them to get what they did. But, okay, look at the first quarter. The Steelers had, the, at the end of the day, the Steelers had no business losing that game. They had four, what is it, four turnovers. They made four, three or four turnovers in the first quarter, and that was a large majority in part that they went out and traded for Fitzpatrick from the Dolphins. That, even that game, even though they lost, was indicative of the Steelers winning that trade. Right. Uh, I mean, that that was one of the best defensive performances of the whole week. 
by Fitzpatrick. I think he created two of those or two or three of those turnovers and looked and that and TJ Ward looked immaculate. Uh, and so it's not like the Steelers are that far off, but at the same time, Mason's still learning. You know, he has James Washington. He has Juju Smith-Schuster. They can do this. Uh, the 49ers, I, I mean, the 49ers have looked great other than the first quarter of that game. Right. Um, I mean, they have looked outstanding, and, and the Steelers had a chance to win that game. They were up with, what, three minutes to go? Right. Right. They, the, the pieces are there. The pieces are there, and, and Mason Rudolph looked good enough, didn't look super elite, but this, like you said, the bad position. You know, maybe Mason Rudolph didn't expect to get, just get this start right away. I mean, we kind of expected how shaky Big Ben is uh, as far as injuries go to, to for this to happen at least once. We didn't expect a season-ending like season-ending injury. Now he's thrust into the spotlight, but at the same time, you have you know Juju and you have James Washington, who they have the you know the chemistry. And you have James Conner. This isn't the killer bees by any means. Right. Not by any means. But it's hope. if you're a Steelers fan, you should be hopeful for the future. Maybe not that you're going to go win a Super Bowl in the next two years, but that you're going to be able to compete uh, in, in a division where you have Andy Dalton, who has looked uh, at best. Uh, you, you have Baker Mayfield and essentially uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, to compete with, and that's not super easy. It's not the worst division in football by any means, uh, right. but but Let's it's talk. something that can't be done. Let's You're talk Baker. Let's talk Baker real quick. Uh, you brought him up. Uh, Baker has started out this year with three touchdowns and five interceptions. Uh, we heard from Rex Ryan saying that he's overrated as hell, and then Baker Mayfield, you know, ended up responding back and saying that you know, in the words of Freddie Kitchens. Uh, if you're not wearing orange and brown, you're not relevant around here, and Rex Ryan's not wearing any colors. Um, you know, the typical Baker stuff. I'm not surprised uh, by him saying a response of some sorts, but eventually, here's the thing with Baker. It's twofold. His offensive line is maybe the worst in the league. I get that. It's not easy what he's dealing with. I totally understand. But... There is a side, too, where Baker has got to tone it down a little bit as well. You can't respond to every single comment out there that somebody makes that's negative against you because uh, you're just adding a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And I know that this is who Baker is. I know that he's you know made himself out to be the Donald Trump of, of the NFL, you know, that that's kind of the persona that he has of going after everybody that has something to say uh, about him, responding of some sorts. But, you know, Baker, it's a balance of both. I, I like, you know, it's great for us, Tom. You know, it gives us something to talk about. It's great content. But if you're a Browns fan, you're sitting at one and two right now, and Baker's yakking away, and they're off to a slow start to this year. I, I think that they need to just, you know, focus on winning football games, getting that back together before he needs to worry about yakking and responding back to the mainstream media. Yeah, before it becomes a statistic and that, you know, uh, he, he's played decent and well, especially for a Browns quarterback, uh, more so than I can think in the last couple of years for a Browns quarterback has played. Um, but at the same time, 
They're trying to put pieces around you. Not necessarily like the Chiefs, but you do have, you know, Landry and Beckham. Um, and, and they had that game within reach, uh, arguably because Goff threw that interception. But, uh, it, it, you know, it falls on the play calling of Freddie Kitchens. They had Chubb. They could have ran it up the middle, and they probably could have got a touchdown and sent that game to overtime. Instead, they do a three and out. And, and if you looked at the statistics for Baker that game, and they, they touched on him multiple times, uh, basically saying, hey, uh, when Baker gets rid of it in 2.5 seconds with a little play action, they are, like, getting first downs left and right. Um when, you know, Baker holds on to it for more than three seconds, uh, they're getting sacked in the backfield and losing negative yardage. And, and and you mentioned that the Browns line is terrible. It is. Uh, because if you saw how many QB hurries or, you know, Donald, you know, Aaron Donald's going to get in the backfield eventually. And he did in that game. He got his first sack of the season uh, on that. He, I mean, in the fourth quarter, they were on him all night. They were, they were, you know, and if it wasn't Baker Mayfield, if it was some more stationary quarterback, I think the Rams would have had more sacks. Um, but, I mean, that's going to be something for the Browns that they're going to have to figure out. But also for Baker, when you said, hey, keep your mouth shut a little bit, uh, if you're 3-0, that's a little bit different story. But with the way it's going, it's not, you know, you can't talk trash and be 1-2. Right. I, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. You'd be Dion fucking Sanders. If you're one and two starting out and not looking that hot and, and not, you know, being however many touchdowns. If you're negative in the touchdown to interception ratio, I don't want to hear it. I don't care who you are. I don't want to hear it. Right. Right. You get, you got to calm it down a little bit. Proof something on the field first. And I think Baker is – going to be an excellent quarterback in this league. I think he's off to a slow start, but uh, show me something. Show me a little bit more first before you go down that road right. as far as that goes. It's not like saying he can't. Right. It's just, hey, just show me something. Just back, show me back something. Back it up just a little bit. Last and, thing and on – he, And I think he will, but don't take a shot on Daniel Jones who just had a, a, a way better week than you did. Granted, you played against one of the best defenses in the league and the Giants played the Bucks, but don't – respond to every negative thing you can hear because you are a Brown and you are going to hear that. You're one of the most controversial players in the league and you're going to hear that. Last thing on the NFL, and that's what I was about to jump into, is Daniel Jones. Nice debut last week. Um, and now Vegas has him as the favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. No. Um, you know, he, he looked really good. It was against a bad Bucks team, so I don't know how much you take away from that. Of uh, that performance against Tampa Bay, but he had a really good preseason, good game against the Buccaneers. Saquon's going to be out for a bit of time, so they're going to rely on Daniel Jones more so. Um, you know what? I'm intrigued. You know, I was a doubter on Daniel Jones, but I think with an open mind, Tom, and I am not sure how this is going to go one way or the other, but so far, credit where credit's due, Daniel Jones looks really good so far at this point. Uh, and he's rallying the team around him. Uh, you know, I know it t took a couple curse words and to get him fired up, but uh, to be in the position that he is to, to get the team fired up, you know, this is a, I'm not going to say a Tom Coughlin type of sorts situation, but 
Uh, I think this is good for the Giants. I, I mean, if you're a Giants fan, you've got to be happy. You have to be. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not going to be a season where you're going to make the playoffs. you got Dallas and the Eagles, and I think you're going to get beat by the Redskins, too. But it's hope for the future and saying, hey, I know that we drafted a quarterback that Baker Mayfield talked crap about, but we're going to be okay. This is, you know, and, and I don't want to be that overreactive where I'm overreacting toward one game that they played against the Buccaneers. Uh, but for what it's worth, the guy has fight. The guy has, you know, he's trying to show some leadership. I like it. Are you going to call him Daniel Daniel Dimes, Danny Dimes yet? I'm going to call him your second cousin. Okay. I mean, I think he looks more like Eli's second cousin at this point. But That's all right. There's a lot of Jones, but maybe somewhere down the bloodline. Maybe. I mean, uh, we look a little bit different from each other, but, you know, I mean, I, I guess you'd never know. But Daniel Jones uh, so far has uh, looked uh, very good. We'll see what he can do in uh, week two. We'll have our picks coming up later on in the show and a very good NFL slate of games this week. Eagles, Packers, Vikings, Bears, Cowboys, Saints, Titans, Falcons, Chiefs, Lions, just to name a few. We'll pick those coming up later on. But right now, let's talk to Brandon Zitter of News Press Now and get his thoughts on the Chiefs and talk some D2 football as well with Brandon as he joins us right now on the Jones Report. Making his Jones Report debut this week is Brendan Zinner from News Press Now in St. Joseph, Missouri. He's the uh, sports director up there doing a fantastic job, and he joins us here on the Jones Report this week. Brendan, what's happening, man? Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no uh, no Harrison Butker chairs uh, have been uh, affected this week, so pretty good pretty good week in St. Joe. The week is still young, so we'll, we'll see <laughs> how that lasts, per se. But, uh, Brandon... Uh, this week on Twitter, you you caught my attention with this dog thing you, you found there uh, that apparently on Google now, you can basically, if you don't have a dog, you can have one now and not have to do all the dirty work that comes with a dog. And everyone knows this now because Brandon Zinner came in, came in and saved the day. Uh, I mean, the second best thing to a real dog is a dog in augmented reality. You can <laughs> just sit on your desk but not take up the space or... Or you don't have to you don't have to feed it. I mean, it's all the perks without having without petting a dog, of having a dog. So yeah, you are welcome, Tyler. I only do it for you. Did you uh, name your online pet? I did not name him Earl Thomas. Anything but Earl <laughs> Thomas. So he was non-existent, and just like just like the dog, I guess he is in a way non-existent. So does uh, so the dog gives up big plays uh, of ninety yards or more. Yes, but he's going to review the tape and going to get them back in the playoffs, as he says. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. That's uh, that's fantastic, Brandon. Uh, tell tell us about your your background, man. You've been in uh, St. Joseph for a, a little bit now, and and before that, you're you're a Mizzou guy, but KC native and all. Uh, how how'd you end up there in St. Joe? Yeah, so uh, went to went to Northwest Missouri State, born and raised uh, in Platte City, just, just north of Kansas City. Uh, spent my entire life in Missouri. I worked for 14 months out in Hayes, Kansas. Uh, everyone knows uh, Hayes America. Sorry, that's what I should yes. say. Spent 14 months out there, and then got about three and a half years now. We're uh, working uh, working here in St. Joe, uh, doing everything for the news press, uh, sports director for just about a year, uh, working with uh, multiple uh, KU KU uh, alums. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we sprinkle in a couple K State people. But no, it's it's great. It's great up here. We get to uh, cover some fantastic athletes. Uh, 
uh, get to host Chiefs camp every single week, and then being being at the stadium uh, every single week. It's a uh, for for a guy born in Kansas City, not not too many things can beat it. Yeah, it's very cool. New, news Press is one of the most fascinating news outlets, I think, in this area for uh, a couple of reasons. One, you guys are locally owned. And then, two, the fact that uh, you manage a newspaper and three stations on the side. I mean, there's a lot going on as well in that uh, one building you guys are in up there in St. Joe. You pretty much own that town. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's quite the operation. We have an absolutely amazing uh, staff of reporters, producers, anchors uh, who, who work tirelessly. Uh, in, 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 a, in a small market like St. Joseph, we work, we work hard. Uh, have some great ownership uh, in the Bradley family and, and and a great community to work in who supports us and and, and thrives off of off of the local journalism that we provide uh, and, and I'm and I'm just I'm getting paid and I'm just having fun that's that's all I can ask for that's awesome that's uh, all we can ask for uh, as well just as long as we enjoy what we do then it's cer- certainly worth it and uh, I'm sorry you had to deal with uh, Zach Fisher. Not only just work with him, but actually have to live with the guy. That sounds like a pain in you know to deal with uh, as is. Uh, let alone having to live with the guy. But uh, best of luck there as far as that goes. Uh, Brandon, uh, they're they're in uh, St. Joe uh, Chiefs camp. Uh, we don't know if it's returning per se uh, in the future, but at the very least, what a run it's been at St. Joe, especially this past year. This is the first time I've actually gotten the chance to go up there. And just the crowds that were there, all the people that were into it, uh, the facilities that have really uh, shown up now that they've got all that Chiefs money flowing in over the last couple of years. I mean, this thing has turned out to be a spectacular uh, event for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And, and so many folks that don't get to see the Chiefs in the regular season because maybe they can't get out to the stadium and see, you know, buy a ticket, whatever – got to get up so up front and personal with their favorite Chiefs players. And uh, St. Joe really supported this thing over the last couple of years. It really took off. Uh, Chiefs camp has come, become such a, a huge deal. I mean, it's one of the things you identify St. Joe with as a whole is those you know two or three weeks that they get Chiefs training camp there. Yeah, it's amazing what the right arm of one man can do, isn't it? Right. Well, it's, uh, I was talking to, to Josh Looney, the, the athletic director, uh, over at Missouri Western, uh, some, some people might realize he was a he was the chief reporter. He was the BJ Kissel before BJ Kissel uh, about seven years ago, and he was talking about two years ago last year. They were they were really happy when they had thirty seven thirty five thousand out there, and uh, they broke that mark. I think it was by practice six. Uh, they had already break broken last year's uh, last year's mark. So maybe maybe about two weeks in, and. Setting records, nearly seventy thousand people come to St. Joe. That's as many people in, in Arrowhead in one weekend, and yeah, just people being able to come come all over the Midwest, come down to St. Joe, get firsthand access. I mean, you see it after practice; they are lined up, get signing autographs. Some people out there, I see the Marcus Robinson out there for after an hour after practice, and and getting right up next to what we're seeing to be the most explosive offense in the NFL. Without Tyreek Hill, that would, an offense that could go down, probably break limitless NFL records, and for it all to start here in St. Joe, uh, I know the community is really proud of it. So the so the people uh, with the Chiefs in Missouri Western. Yeah, that's fantastic, and uh, to see all those people come out and support like they have uh, this past year, and and uh, I, I imagine it's had such a big effect on uh, St. Joe, Missouri Western's facilities are 
just you know, incredible now of, of what those have really turned into and and the community as a whole just just loves having this i mean i, I would hate to see st joe not have training camp i mean because that has turned into such a good host to have it there and and it seems like that the players and and uh, the staff have spoke highly of of training camp there in st joe it's a lot better than uh, when they were having it in uh, wisconsin several years ago yeah they, i don't think they miss uh they miss the days of being up in river falls uh, as much I think it was Colquitt who was talking about there'd be days when they'd have maybe a couple hundred fans out there, and then now anything shy of about four thousand, five thousand fans any given day, it's kind of it's kind of like where where is everybody? It's a little quiet out here. But uh, St. Joe loves it. I know St. Joe would love to have it back. Speaking with Missouri Western officials, they're, they're it seems they're going to put on the full court press to keep this keep it here, especially with uh, we know what this what the future of this franchise is going to look like for the next decade plus of uh, AFC championship and Super Bowl contending teams. I think St. Joe is going to do everything possible. And Andy Reid seems he loves to hear the, the entire staff loves getting away. Uh, I think it creates creates something that you don't get just sitting at home and in, in your own home. Right. Patrick Mahomes living out in Mission Hills, other guys living downtown, and and just coming to the facility every day. I think I think it really you can't put a value on getting away and what that does for a team and, and we see it on the field uh, the chemistry is uh, only three games in man it's something special yeah a, a home away from home of sorts there in st joe it's been uh, great to see that over the years and uh brandon uh, missouri western there that's uh, the primary school you cover uh out of the uh, miaa down in d2 uh what, what's that university university been like to cover i know that they uh are in such a tough conference that miaa i mean you're talking about northwest where you went pitt state's got a great football history fort hayes has been good as of late i mean that's got to be a, a fun league to be right in the center of if you're going to cover a d2 conference that's the one and then you add in central missouri who uh, is competing in just about every single sport every single year in emporia washburn i mean these, these people starting in football i mean there's it seems there's multiple guys going to the nfl from this conference every single year but covering the northwest missouri washington the two uh, schools we primary co- primarily cover northwest competing for national championships every year in football they've won two of the last three in basketball they doesn't seem like they have any any end in sight and then missouri western the, the beat that i primarily handle uh, it, it's it's an absolute blast seeing this football program turn around the first three weeks of the football season they Trail twenty-one nothing to number six Northwest. Take the lead in the fourth quarter and end up losing. Then they go on the road, beat Fort Hayes, the defending MIAA champs, while they were ranked. Then this last week, trailing thirty-one nothing, they come back, force overtime, forty-eight forty-five. They lose to UCM. Uh, that's just football season. We got basketball. They have a former Texas Tech coach now taking over the women's football pro or the women's basketball program. And Candy Whitaker. They got uh, one of my favorite interviews of all time one of my favorite guys of all time Sundance Wicks yes his name is Sundance taking over the basketball program going to his second year there are some uh, awesome things happening uh, under a uh, third year athletic director Josh Looney and uh, it's uh, it, it, it's pretty awesome I know you guys get uh, some pretty good access over, over there at KU uh, and everything like that K-State but it's just it's different covering D2 you, these guys uh, these guys will hit you up you're you can text with the text with the coaches. Just 
I mean, it's uh, it's kind of just like you're in, you're ingrained with the program, and right. uh, it's a it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun, man. It really is. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm a big Pitt State Gorillas fan myself. Um, I got I got some connections down there, and I, I could not be more excited, Brandon, for when uh, they and Northwest are going to play at Arrowhead. I, I don't know yeah. what the attendance is going to be like, but that's going to be cool for that coming up. Uh, that's only a couple weeks away when those two teams uh, get together there. Yeah, and the, the most attended Division Two football game of all time, Pitt State, Northwest Missouri State. I think that was the game in 2011, and I mean, every single year they play there. The Chiefs do it right. It's it's an incredible atmosphere. The entire, or about probably three fourths, maybe the entire lower bowl will be filled. And hey, Northwest is undefeated right now. Pitt State's undefeated right now. Both those teams could be six and zero. I think going into that matchup. Oh boy, Arrowhead! Uh, it's gonna be rocking on Saturday, on Sundays, but it might be rocking on Saturday uh, for the Fall Classic. Yeah, that'll be uh, so cool to see. And, and the MIAA is so fun. I mean, they call it the SEC and the D two for a reason, and uh, they've lived up to that and should be a, a good rest of the season so far uh, to this point of, of what's to come there from that. Uh, on the on the Chiefs realm, Brandon, uh, let's let's start there. Three and zero to start the season. Uh, you were there for that matchup against the Ravens on Sunday. What did you make of the Chiefs' performance uh, against Baltimore? Another terrific second quarter from this bunch. Yeah, that, and that, I asked LaShawn McCoy in the locker room, "What is it about just when the team?" Uh, kind of sees, feels the game out, sees what the defense is doing. And he says they're they're like the Splash Brothers uh, of the NFL, just like the Warriors is hit just hitting threes. But they can their their three pointers are. Uh, I had a guy who was tweeting at me the other day that says whenever the the Chiefs took over like in Feather on Twenty, it says uh oh look out the Chiefs are in the red zone. I mean that's literally what this team is like. We see it the last two weeks they've scored what fifty one points the last two weeks in the in the, the second quarter alone. I mean, it and it's it's every single every single person. We got McCole Hardman, we got Demarcus Robinson catching long touchdowns. Sammy Watkins continues to get involved. Travis Kelsey uh, just quietly around 300 yards receiving already. I mean, but, but, but I'm not sure what more you can ask for. They they uh, I, I think I was going through the schedule yesterday morning, and yeah, there's all these three and no teams, but I think it's safe to say that. Of them all, the Chiefs beating Baltimore that might arguably be the best win uh, in the NFL uh, at the at this moment, uh, and and it, it's uh, I think it's going to be prove it's going to prove over time the Ravens they're looking like in that division the AFC North they're going to probably walk away with that one and be a team that competes for probably twelve wins and man that that early season win week three that's gonna that's gonna look huge. Oh. Uh, the more the season goes on no doubt no doubt I think the Ravens are the third best team in the AFC right now so that was a huge win for Kansas City and the score was closer than the game really indicated there was never really a doubt that the Chiefs were going to win that game uh, on Sunday so a very good win from this group and they're playing a little shorthanded right now Brandon I mean you, you talk about Tyreek Hill being out for for a while Damian Williams is out Eric Fisher you know is is not around I mean but yet this offense has not missed a beat it's been next man up whether it's been Demarcus Robinson the way he stepped up heck even when LaShawn McCoy went down Darrell Williams rushed for more yards than LaShawn McCoy did on Sunday. I mean, they've been just kind of plugging and playing, and this offense has been terrific. I mean, just imagine how good this group will be when they're actually healthy. Yeah, so Ty, uh, Patrick Mahomes is on pace. I think I did the math. It's like 6,343 yards, 56 touchdowns. Not now, bad. It, we, can, we can talk about the, the pace and everything. We'll see if that's 
even attainable. But he's doing it. I think Tyreek Hill has 14 yards receiving this year. He played in two drives uh, against Jacksonville. Uh, I, I can't even imagine what this offense is going to do. They, they talk about it's like playing in a video game. Well, if you add Tyreek Hill into the mix, it's not it's not even fair what they're going to be able to do. And think going up, they haven't even played Denver yet. They get to play Denver twice. They're going to play. I, I, this Chargers team looks like they're struggling. They still get Oakland again. Oh boy, like there's some there's some rough games on the schedule that they're going to roll through, and they still have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure there's anyone who can stop them. And you, I'm glad you mentioned Daryl Williams. I mean, if if you're looking for a sneaky fantasy play, I don't know, there's not isn't really a fantasy football podcast, but if you're looking for a sneaky play, he was absolutely incredible. It seems like they're uh, they're very keen on kind of getting him the reps that while Darwin Thompson kind of still acclimates himself. Darwin, he looks like he still needs a little more time. And Daryl Williams, boy, if LaShawn is, is banged up at all going into Sunday up in Detroit, he might get a lot of look, Daryl Williams, especially uh, uh, against a, a couple good cornerbacks. you got Darius Slay up there. Uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but yeah, I'm just really excited to watch the Chiefs defense, the Chiefs offense again on Sunday. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, last year his numbers were so incredible, winning the MVP, throwing for 50 touchdowns, over 5,000 yards. But somehow for him to even put up better numbers through Week Three, comparatively speaking to a year ago, everybody said this off season, Brandon, that you know Patrick Mahomes he could have another great year, but there's just no way he's going to put up the same numbers that he did before and as of right now it looks like that his numbers are going to be even better it's ridiculous that this guy not only has improved from a season ago but statistically is better than he was uh, a, a year ago I mean this this guy is just out of this world right now I don't, I don't even know who to compare him to because he, he just seems uncomparable right now maybe uh, a video game of some sorts that's that's the closest I can think of I mean because there's we haven't seen a quarterback play like Patrick Mahomes has with only being year three in his career right now well you know who not to compare him to is Troy Aikman yes <laughs> absolutely you, you know you're you're in a generational talent when Troy Aikman is coming you at you on Twitter and they talk to you when you got rings and you've played in 21 career NFL games I mean that that that's one of the fascinating most fascinating things going on, on Twitter we've had all the Antonio Brown stuff going on but Troy Aikman coming at Pat Mahomes oh boy I am loving me some of that but no Pat is uh, I mean I feel like we talk about him so much but yet we don't talk about him enough again he had almost 400 yards passing on. Sunday, it would be most of these guys in the NFL. It'd probably be the best game they have all season, and it was a season low for him. He he threw for I think it was two hundred like seventy one yards in the in the first half, and again it was a season low for him. The, the things that this dude is doing again, and no Tyreek Hill, uh, no left tackle, uh, and Eric Fisher right now, Cam Irving. He was he was kind of spotty, kind of shaky uh, on Sunday against the Ravens, and uh, it doesn't matter I think who you put on the field with him. Doesn't matter the coverage. Earl Thomas said he was going to take away the big plays, and they still had uh, numerous lengthy plays, and getting the, the getting the touchdowns. A super long one to to McCall Hardman. Uh, you can. It seems like you can put the best uh, in the world out there, and, and Patrick Mahomes. He's just going to do. He's just going to do what he does, and uh, there's, there's no way you're going to stop it. Yeah, he is a bit unreal so far at this point uh, this season defensively. I feel like we've seen improvement from this defense, you know, with the way that they were 
able to uh, shut down the Ravens in the second quarter, the uh, second half against Baltimore. I mean, they're, they're not, they haven't played a complete game yet, per se, but we've seen some moments from this group where they, they've played well as a unit, that they've shut some things down. What, what, what stands out to you about the improvements from this defense? What, what specific areas have you seen this group get better from a year ago? Well, over the last two weeks, we've only seen them giving up 23, or well, I guess they give it up, the Ravens, they added two touchdowns late. So I'm, I'm wrong there. But going up through into the fourth quarter of this past week, they went seven quarters of football with only giving up 23 points. If you, I think if you look at the adjusted yards, the Chiefs' defense is 10th uh, in, in comparison to the league average and where they're at there. It's, it's still early, but it's it's like a new defense and they're not even getting the turnovers at this point. We see Tyron Matthew, he could have had two picks. Tarverius Ward gives up the, the crazy prayer of a throw to, uh, to Willie Sneed. And then uh, uh, Kendall Fuller getting beat uh, on the goal line to Hollywood Brown. That could have been a pick. There are so many opportunities laying out there for this defense right now. And, and they're still just blowing these teams out, blowing the doors off of them. Uh, I, I do think the pass rush is coming along. Emmanuel Ogba is looking really good. That's looking like a very solid trade. Uh, Damian Wilson, he has been a huge spark, uh, especially in the pass coverage. Uh, Anthony Hitchens looks like a new man under Spags. He was lost out there this year, and I think he's kind of mentioned that now under Spags, it's more about the fundamentals and just going out and executing your job, whereas Sutton, you were trying to think of all these schemes, and well, if this guy's in this spot, I have to – I have to alter what I do. And this defense, it feels like they're just kind of playing loose and they have a, a different swagger to them. And I think Sunday's going to be a huge building block for them doing that against Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. Yeah, the the, deep, the rush defense, that that's probably the rush, best rush offense in the NFL at this point. And there were still some shaky things, but they're not going to face Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram every single week. They might get them again in the playoffs. But the, they're, the, just the, the soundness, the – the looseness that it seems like they're playing with, mm-hmm. uh, and especially at home, that that's dangerous if this de- uh, defense just keeps improving. Oh, yeah. No no question about it. Now, the newcomers on this defense, you mentioned Ogba. Uh, Frank Clark got off to a slow start to 2019. Uh, Tyron Matthew has uh, played very well so far to this point in the season. Those guys, uh, I mean, in particular Frank Clark, I feel like we're going to be talking more so about their impact later on in the season, uh, especially you know trying to you know, adapt to this scheme. It's still a new scheme and everything there under Spagnola here. I mean, this is the defense is on the right track. What I'm interested to see is just how far they come when it really matters, because you know, all indications show they're getting better, but they're not quite there yet. And realistically, Brandon, what you're asking from this Chiefs defense is you don't need a top 10 defense. You need to be top 20. You need to be better than you were a year ago when they were 31st in the league in defense. If they beat, if they're just a top 20 defense, that's going to be good enough for this offense to, to win the football games they need to win. Yeah, if you're lining up on sides and you're not giving up touchdowns over the top, it's going to be it's going to be I don't want to say easy, but it's going to be a lot easier to win than it was last year when uh every like the the Rams game. I don't see this Chiefs defense having anything like that Rams game last year. I know there were so many possessions, but this doesn't seem like that that same defense. Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, I don't think those guys 
would let that happen. And and Chris Jones, we didn't talk about him, but that guy has been an absolute monster. The he's had multiple stops like that. Where it's a third and one, where he's just he's just jumping the line and and making the tackle in the backfield right there, and forcing a fourth down, which the Ravens opted to go for just about every single time. But the defense, just yeah, like you said, top twenty. Just give this offense some breathing room. They're going to get out to those fast starts and build multi-score uh, leads in the in the first half, the first the first two and a half quarters, and then it's just don't blow it. And the offense will probably keep scoring just enough points. And and with those leaders on defense, you're going to add in Mo Claiborne later in the season as well. Uh, I think Juan Thornhill is only going to continue to get better. Uh, the sky, I don't want to say the sky's the limit, but the, this, this, where this defense can go, uh, it's going to be something we haven't seen in a couple of years. Yeah, and I, I think that they're going to stick with this group as is. I don't really see very many changes coming. Uh, you know, folks had mentioned Jalen Ramsey. I know that the Jaguars said they, they took him off the market, but, um, you know, Brett Veach, in the moves that he's made previously since being GM, he's been very aggressive when he wants somebody he may even give up too much for him as was the case for Frank Clark or some of these other deals that they've made um you know I, I feel like that this is it for Kansas City you got what you got going forward what do you think Brandon do you think that we could see a move or two before the season's over with or do you think that in, in essence this is probably going to be the, the Kansas City team that, that carries them the rest of the way yeah, I think something dramatic would probably have to happen for them to make a, a splash move on defense. They'd need a, a big injury to a, to a guy like, like a Kendall Fuller or something like that to, to be able to, to make a move. But even even then, they've talked about Tyron Matthew, his ability to play at corner and how he feels comfortable playing there. And, and you can kind of slide in. Uh, I know the Chiefs fans don't like the idea of Dan Thornton starting, but you, you can realistically no. do that and have uh, Dan Thornton, Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew all on the field at the same time. I think this is probably what they got. Now they might do something like with what they did with Charvarius Ward, where they they steal a guy off of waivers or off of someone's practice squad later in the year. Brett Vici seems to have a a knack for guys like that. But other than that, I think this is probably the squad they have going forward, especially with this offense. They maintain what they got. They go into the off season. Being able to sign their guys, we'll see if they can get something done with with Ty, or, uh, with a guy like Chris Jones during the season, or if that's something that they wait, maybe try to franchise tag him after the year. They're going to get Patrick Mahomes an ungodly amount of numbers, uh, an ungodly amount of money this off season as well. I think they seem pretty content and they really, really like this group, and it's going to be something dramatic that's going to have to happen for them to to change things up. Oh, uh, if it's up to me, I- I'm not doing anything, giving any reason to put Daniel Sorensen on the field more than he has to be. <laughs> you-, you got me a-, a little, a little triggered there. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not for that. You know, I mean, we- we've seen how that worked the last two years. Like, eh, maybe not that, but uh, well, I-, I like the way you're thinking. Kendall Fuller's healthy, that probably won't happen. Right, exactly. I- I'm with you there, Brandon. Uh, we only got a little bit of time left, man. So uh, before we uh, let you let you run here, where can people connect with you and see uh, all the great work you're doing up in St. Joe? covering those schools and those high schools and, and uh, the Chiefs and all, man. Well, I think you retweeted uh, my thing about uh, the, the dog on, on Google 3D. So you can just uh, go to Tyler Jones. He'll probably interact with me a little bit. You can go find me on Twitter. I'm NPNowZenner, or you can just search Brandon Zenner. There's only two of us in the world. Uh, you can do that on all, uh, all social media platforms. Uh, Who's the other a, guy? I got an Instagram. I got a, I got a Twitter. Uh, 
hit me in my, hit me up on LinkedIn if you want to. I got uh, probably only about forty five pending messages in LinkedIn, so I'll check that in the next uh, couple of years or so. Do you do yeah, you know? Free, do you know who? Do you know who the other Brendan Zinner is? He is an author from Delaware who has written okay. a couple novels. Interesting, interesting. Uh, well. Uh, that doesn't sound like you. So, you know, if you see that guy, then know that you're at the wrong place. You know, you got to find he, this Brendan Zinner. Yeah, if he's not, if he's not uh, tweeting out uh, about the Chiefs or dogs, yeah, probably the wrong guy. Right, and that's what people are really coming for is for the dog tweets. You know, I mean, everything else is just extra. And, you know, we're here for the dogs. We're here for the, the pets that we don't have to feed and, and uh, you know, clean up their crap and all that. That's what we're here for. Brandon, bringing, making the world a better place, uh, providing us more dogs on the Internet because that's exactly what we need. Brandon, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. And uh, we'll talk again down the line. Anytime. Have a good one, Tyler. Big thanks to Brandon Zinner of News Press Now for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. And uh, we'll get to our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up here in just a few minutes, plus our weekly picks against the spread as well. But uh, right now, let's uh, dive into the uh, Kansas basketball front. We haven't talked some basketball in uh, quite some time. Late night in the fog, just over a week away. But... Uh, not the news that Kansas wanted to receive. They were certainly expecting it, but the uh, notice of allegations has been received from the NCAA in regards to both the basketball and the football program. And uh, this goes back to the Adidas case, and there's a few things to follow here. Uh, the first allegation states that uh, TJ Gassanola and Jim Gatto, both Adidas uh, marketing executives, provided impermissible benefits to and had impermissible recruiting contacts with a recruit. This included a late night in the fog meeting to offer money to the recruit to secure their enrollment as well as 89000 in benefits following that. In the second allegation, Self and KU men's basketball assistant Curtis Townsend are named. They, along with four representatives of the institution's athletic interests, three of whom also acted as agents are accused of impermissible contacts and benefits with the recruit. And the third allegation states that three consultants of Adidas engaged in impermissible recruiting activities with three prospective student athletes with Self and Townsend knowing them. It explains Gasanola talked with Self about recruiting a player and offered $15,000 to a family member of theirs to secure their enrollment once that player went elsewhere. Gasanola said that he had let self down. And uh, those are the allegations on the basketball front. The football front, it's a uh, level two violation for using an extra coach in practice. And uh, a video coordinator who uh, was coaching quarterbacks under David Beatty. And that was a self-reported violation by KU in an effort not to pay David Beatty his uh, his buyout to try to fire him for cause, essentially, is what they pointed to on there. So there, there's a few things to dissect in all this. And, you know, if if KU gets punished based on their allegations of these, you know, Title I allegations, you know, the Level I allegations that uh, KU's been accused of, you're talking about postseason bans, reduces of scholarships, being put on probation of sorts, um, those are all within the realm of possibility. You won't find out what kind of punishment KU will get for at least nine months 
at the earliest as a KU has to respond, and then there's a back and forth and yada, yada, yada before a decision is finally made. On the side of KU, where they can argue in this case is a couple of things. You know, this all relates back to Billy Preston and Silvio de Souza. Um, you start out, if you're KU, and you point to the FBI case and say, hey, look, the FBI, in a legal process, in a legal court proceeding, ruled that KU was a victim. That's one thing that you can point to and say, you know, if we're a victim from the legal aspect, how can we be punished by the NCAA when the FBI, the legal process, said you did nothing wrong? That's something that you can argue there. But what the difference is between that investigation and the NCAA investigation is that the NCAA, you can charge somebody with lack of institutional control saying that, well, you should have known better, as opposed to you can't do that from a legal standpoint. You can't point to those things and say, well, you should have known better. It's either you did something wrong or you didn't. It's very black and white from the legal standpoint, per se. From Kansas' standpoint, they're going to argue a couple things. One of those is that, hey, Billy Preston never played a game for KU. And once they found out about the possible uh, you know, things that didn't connect the dots that he may have been receiving money he shouldn't have received, uh, a car that he didn't own, that they reported it and they took care of things and he never played for KU. Silvio de Souza, on his end, was initially ruled eligible by the NCAA. And then once they found that information, they immediately pulled him away. And then uh, they waited for the NCAA to make their decision, and ultimately they ended up suspending him for two years. Jeff Long got that reduced down to another year. So that's another thing that you argue there. The other item in all this is the, the, the timing that goes on here, and I don't think this is going to work out very quickly. You have a guy in Jeff Long that the way that he approached the Silvio de Souza situation, he fought – with every ounce of him uh, in that case to you know go to the very end to get Silvio de Souza eligible. I mean, this guy was crying on national TV. I love Jeff, but he was very real and worked very hard. And so I don't think this is going to be solved pretty quickly. At the end of the day, though, Tom, when it's all said and done, whatever penalty Kansas receives in all this, whatever you know punishment that they'll that they're handed down per se, or even if they you know, go through appeals and win uh, the appeal process, they're still going to be hurt on the recruiting front, no matter how you slice this. This past recruiting class, Kansas is so used to getting four- and five-star kids uh, you know, just so easily coming to Kansas that you know they don't even have to try almost on the recruiting trail that the brand of Kansas just recruits itself. But with this cloud over the program, KU didn't recruit like they uh, would have liked, and uh, you know, they didn't bring in any five-star kids in this last recruiting class. And uh, Isaac McBride, who was one of their top recruits in this past class, this news came down on Friday of last week, and what do you know, just a few hours later, he quit the team and announced he was transferring. Now, I don't know if it was directly related. Uh, it was right after boot camp. He may just not like boot camp. Whatever it may be, he was out. And so... With this going on, whether KU gets you know a big punishment or not, whether they're a part of the postseason or have wins vacated, whatever it may be, this is going to drag on of that you're going to be hurt on the recruiting trail, that this is an effect of 
two, three, who knows how many years of how long this takes before Kansas rebuilds its brand and reputation to get those top-notch players once again. That's the effect in all this. So no matter what, you know, the best-case scenario for Kansas is, you know, no loss of scholarships, no postseason ban and all that, but you're still going to be affected recruiting one way or the other. I mean, there's, there's no way that KU's coming out clean here. No, of course not, especially after kind of last year's debacle. Uh, I mean, it makes it more real, I think, now that the, the hammer's coming down. And, and KU's not the only one that's getting this. Kentucky, I saw, just got some violations. But, uh, I mean, Jones, I'm uh, you know, I have a little bit of an opinion. But I'm, I'm honestly, from you, for the KU front, I don't know how much you want to say or how much you want to reveal if whatever you – I don't think you know more than we know, but hell, I may be wrong. Um, I'm more interested to see what you think about KU's allegations as just you being there, essentially. Um, I am not going to come out and say that KU for sure did this or that KU's in the wrong. And they do have a, I would say a, a, a leg to stand on in some ways, but in other ways, it's like, okay, yeah. Uh, kind of like, okay, every big school does this. Uh, it's just that you got caught. Right. Um, nothing is surprising that this uh, information came out. And Bill Self made a good point about this in the statement that he released. He said, look, the NCAA has got pressure on the FBI to act on this and do something. So, of course, you know, they were going to come down hard on Kansas and, and go through this. And Like a witch hunt. Right. It is. It is a witch hunt. Absolutely. And, you know, Kansas will not be hit the hardest. I mean, you got Will Wade of LSU on a wiretap admitting to paying, you know, a player and, you know, telling him straight up to, to pay a guy. I mean, you don't have that quite with KU per se. And so, you know, if this is going to be what Kansas goes through, uh, I mean, these other schools are going to go through much worse uh, of situations to deal with. And, and here's the other thing. I'll add this, is that, you know, it's not going to be easy for sure. This certainly is a big obstacle in Kansas's way, but this is still one of the elite programs in the country, one of the top three brands in all of college basketball. Uh, you know, the sun will rise again. They'll get through this, and they're going to be just fine. The other programs like LSU or Arizona, some of these mid-tier college basketball programs, they're going to be the ones that suffer. Heck, even Louisville. With all they went through, losing a Hall of Fame coach in Rick Patino and everything, they're right back up there and they're good and they're competitive once again after just a couple, you know, years down in the dumps. You know, Louisville basketball is back once again. So, uh, you know, I mean, this too shall pass. I think that a lot of there's a lot of worry out there from Kansas fans, but at the end of the day, the Kansas basketball brand is bigger than any punishment the NCAA can put on this program. Besides the death penalty, which won't happen. But I, I think, why, why even bring up the death penalty? I think that's irrelevant from... Well, no, I know, obviously not. I mean, you just said that bigger than, you know, the brand's bigger than anything that NCAA can hand down. Obviously, nothing's bigger than the death penalty. I'm just being an ass. Yeah. Uh, right. So, I mean, obviously, they're going to be fine. They're still going to have to deal with anything. And as a KU fan, uh, for any KU fan, it just pretty much comes down to let's hope there's no postseason bans. 
Right. Um, you think about this, Tom. The post, if there's a postseason ban, uh, not only would that end KU's longest streak in all college basketball of NCAA tournament appearances, that would also affect the Big 12 tournament, too, as a postseason oh. event. And so if there's no Kansas involved in the Big 12 tournament and you have a nine-team tournament, let's say, for two or three years, even just one year, that is going to be a huge shame for the Big 12. Attendance will be awful. A lot Kansas, less money Kansas will be City. made. Um, I mean, that would be a huge blow to the Big 12. And quite frankly, if you take Kansas out of the NCAA tournament, that would be a huge blow to the NCAA tournament as well. I mean, you think about this. Um, in regards to punishments and such, does the NCAA really want to go down this route of hurting their own brand and hurting their own tournament to take Kansas out of this fold? Um, you know, whether they deserve a punishment or not, ultimately the NCAA, if if they want to take Kansas away from the postseason, they're ultimately really going to be just hurting themselves in the Big 12 in the process. Oh, of course they are. And not to mention, it's in Kansas City. Yeah, you might have your Iowa State people show up, but that's, you think, I mean, do you think any KU fans are just going to show up uh, once they got banned from the tournament or no. banned from postseason play? Nobody's, no, no KU fans are going to show up. Right. That would I mean, be a disaster. I mean, that's just being a realist. Like, obviously not. And, I mean, now, that I mean, that's ethically, do we do that? You know, the NCAA is all about money. So, I mean, the realists in me say, obviously, they don't want to do that. And they might not do that, uh, specifically because that. It would be different if this was, like, freaking, I don't know, OSU getting this band. You know? What would they care? Uh, right. Or it'd be like Kansas get a band in football. What would they care? Uh, but this is uh, this is the Big 12's team. I, you know, I know Tech had made it however far, but at the same time, like this is your this that would be like banning OU from the postseason in football. That's never going to happen. Right. Uh, if, I don't care what allegations come about. Could you imagine? It's not going to happen. I mean, okay, OU's banned from the 12 football championship. Well, you might as well not even have a Big 12 football championship at that point. Right. Same with the Big 12 tournament. If Kansas is not going to be involved, uh, I'm out. Who cares at that point in time? The football yeah. thing, to me, you know, I love Jeff Long. I do. He's done a great job as athletic director. But the biggest thing that I have disagreed with him on, and I think most people disagree with him on this, is paying David Beatty. There, you should not have gotten the NCAA involved in this. Um, the self-reported violation, you know, to try to not pay him, um, you know, to try to claim he was fired for cause. You can't go after the fact and claim that he was fired for cause when in the statement it makes it very clear he was fired for performance. Um, just pay the man and be done with him. It's not like his buyout is a whole lot either. Relatively speaking, compared to most schools, his buyout's not that bad. It's $3 million. That is doable, especially considering what you had to pay Charlie Weiss and Turner Gill and those guys. Just pay him his money, be done with him, and move on. Instead, now uh, you've made a mess out of that, and you've also made yourself look bad in the process, created a legal trouble as well. It's uh, it's disappointing that you got the NCAA involved in all this, and now they're looking at this football program, and in the process, 
Um, you know, it sounds like it would be a minor violation, but really, you're going to hand make less miles deal with a violation of this sorts too. He's got to put up with this. Uh, to me, it's uh, it's you know a mistake of unintended consequences. Uh, you know where you are putting yourself through uh, unnecessary punishment that you didn't need to go through otherwise. Right, they didn't have to do that, and if you just pay the man and be done with it. And, you know, and besides that, they just want to take a shortcut, essentially, or, hey, how do we figure out how not to do this? And you know David Beatty's got to be smiling. You know he has to. Uh, I right. mean, and you get what's coming to you eventually, and if you want to, you know, not necessarily, I'm not going to say not do the right thing, but if you want to try to shortcut your way around something that you know is, you know, not right, even if they did do something wrong, but just to bring light to it, just so you don't have to pay somebody after you played wise all that money. Uh, I mean, you kind of get what's coming to you. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's sickening, um, to say the least. And it's not a good time for this athletic department of uh, what they're going through and dealing with this. This is not going to be easy. And uh, they're going to have to ride out the storm to see how uh, ultimately this all plays out. But uh, it's not good to uh, say the least there. Couple more things before we get out of here today. Time for our weekly picks against the spread this week. Todd, let's start out on the college football end of things. First game this week, number eighteen Virginia at number ten Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a twelve point favorite, and uh, the Irish last week played really well against Georgia, almost pulling off the upset in Athens last week. Uh, Ian Book. I have not been a huge Ian Book fan, to be honest with you, but he played out of his mind last week. I was impressed with uh, what he was able to do. To come back home, take on a Virginia team out of the ACC that's had a really good year to this point, uh, much improved Virginia team, best Virginia team they've had in quite some time. Uh, the Irish, 12-point favorites. Do you like them at home, Tom? You know, I'm going to go ahead and take the Irish. They did impress me last week, and it bit me because I took Georgia, and I think everybody might have took Georgia, maybe besides Derek. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and roll with the Fighting Irish this week. I'm going to go with Virginia. I think Notre Dame wins, but I don't think they win by a huge margin per se. I don't see them winning by 12 points. I think Virginia can keep this within seven, and uh, I'll take the uh, Cavaliers to cover in that one. Number 21, USC at number 17, Washington. USC playing with a third-string quarterback. They were able to knock off Utah last week. Washington, they uh, they lost to BYU uh, earlier this year. Uh, I believe it was BYU uh, when they, a game they weren't supposed to. Washington, you know, let one go at home. They're a nine and a half point favorite against USC. Tom, who do you like in this one? You know, I'm going to have to go with Washington here. Uh, you know. I know USC knocked off Utah with the third string, but uh, Washington, you know, they've had their faults. Uh, but it, I I can see them winning by 10. If it was 10-plus in the points, then I'd probably have to go with USC. Quick correction. Uh, Washington uh, lost a cow at home a couple weeks ago. They beat BYU Four. last week. Um, but the uh, Huskies, 9.5, that seems like a lot, but – I don't think the magic with USC can last two weeks like that. I still don't think Clay Helton 
is it going to make it out this season? I think Washington takes care of business at home. That nine and a half, I'll take the Huskies to cover, but it could be close uh, on that spread. Number 24, K-State taking on Oklahoma State. The Wildcats, uh, the biggest surprise this year in the Big 12 so far, starting out 3-0 and with three decisive wins to open up their season. Now they travel to Oklahoma State. The Cowboys coming off a loss to the Texas Longhorns last week on the road. Plenty of opportunities to win that game, but the offense of Oklahoma State has looked terrific so far to this point. K-State has played some real physical football. Skylar Thompson has been unbelievable, and that K-State defense looks really good as well. Tom, K-State, they have impressed so far to this point, but can they carry that momentum into Stillwater? You know, I wouldn't be shocked if K-State pulls this off. I, you know, I, as far as OSU goes, I, I think they bounce back this week. I know K-State's coming off a of bye week, uh, but I'll take Oklahoma State at home and Boone Pickens. You know, Tom, I don't know who actually wins this game. I've gone back and forth on this in my mind who wins this game. But I do think five points is too much for Oklahoma State. Uh, I think that this is going to be a three-point game either way. And uh, so I'll take K-State to cover. I think that they can keep it within that margin. And uh, credit where credit's due, Chris Kleiman doing a great job there in Manhattan. This will be a great test. Um, But for the folks at home, Tom, if you're going to watch this game, this game's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Right, I think I think it deserves a little bit better than that. Right, I thought this would be like at least FS1. I mean, well, you would think, especially with K State being ranked. Right, yeah, but delegated to ESPN Plus for this weekend. I'll take uh, I'll take the Cats in uh, that one. A couple more college games. Number five, Ohio State at Nebraska. Nebraska barely beat Illinois last week, and Nebraska hasn't looked too hot. Uh, so far this season, uh, they lost to Colorado on the road early on and, uh, Ohio state has looked like arguably the best team in the country so far to this point in the season, the way that they've played some impressive football from, uh, from Ohio state and, uh, that team that they got there, Ryan day doing a great job as a head coach of that bunch there, Ohio state an 18 point favorite on the road in Lincoln. That's a lot of points for a road team on the road. Is that too much points for Ohio State, Tom? You know, I'm going to go with Ohio State here. You know, I, I think they can pull this off by three touchdowns. Uh, it really, it just determines what kind of Nebraska team shows up. And if it's anything like last week, uh, I'm pretty sure that we can guarantee that Ohio State probably can pull this off. Justin Fields, I think, is going to have a day. He has been terrific so far to start this season. That Nebraska defense just is not good. I think he's going to go off. This could be a competitive game early, Tom, but I think ultimately Ohio State's going to pull away and win this game by three touchdowns or more. I'll go with the Buckeyes uh, as well. Our last game on the slate for college football, Iowa State taking on Baylor. Baylor has started the year undefeated so far to this point, but not really any major test per se. Iowa State coming off an impressive win against ULM after a slow start to the season with a loss at home to Iowa by one and barely beating Northern Iowa in triple overtime. Now they head down to Waco. Tom, a battle-tested Iowa State team that's coming off a slow start compared to a Baylor team that is undefeated but hasn't really played anybody to this point. Right, and you know, this is a this is one of the tougher games, I think, at least for me, um, just overall. 
I will go ahead and take Iowa State here. We talked about this quarterback battle, and I think the quarterback position is ultimately what's going to be decides this game. Uh, Brock Purdy, I think, is going to play much better than Charlie Brewer will. I'll go with Iowa State to win and cover that two-and-a-half-point margin. Let's move on to the National Football League. Thursday night football, the Green Bay Packers hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. What a way to start off Thursday night football on Fox this year as Green Bay is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The Eagles have gotten off to a slow start to this season, and uh, a very talented Eagles team has left a lot of questions. Green Bay... After a disappointing 2018, new head coach Matt LaFleur has come in with a new offense and really gotten the most out of Aaron Rodgers here in the first couple of weeks to open up the season. Green Bay is at home. Can uh, they pull it off at home, Tom? I think so. They've been looking really impressive, and I like what Green Bay is doing, so I think they keep it rolling. I think so, too. I'm going to go with the hot team right now. Uh, the Eagles you might be the team that wins this game later on if they were to face uh, later in the season, but I got to go with uh, where the dice is rolling. And uh, right now, in favor of Green Bay, what they're doing, uh, they're playing really good football right now. I'll take Green Bay to cover at four and a half. The uh, Vikings taking on the Bears. The uh, Bears are a two and a half point favorite. The Vikings uh, have looked good so far to start up this season. The uh, offense has been terrific with Kirk Cousins and company uh, so far this year. Chicago is at home, though. And uh, we finally saw the offense take off with a, a solid performance against Washington on Monday Night Football. Tom, can the Bears score enough points to hang with the Vikings? You know, I'll go with the Vikings here. I don't think they can, and and your Super Bowl pick's not looking too hot, but I could be wrong. Uh, the Bears can surprise, but, you know, I like the Vikings uh, in this one in, in, in Chicago. I mean, the Bears are two and one. It's not a terrible pick, right? No, I'm just, I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you hell, obviously. And you know how much I don't like the Bears. Yeah, uh, I like the Vikings to cover this one, much like the the Green Bay pick. You, you roll with the hot hand, and the Vikings are off to a good start this year. They've impressed me more than Chicago has at this point. And, and Tom, I think that there's a big difference for Chicago of having home field in a game like this later on in the season as opposed to right now. I mean, we're talking about fall-like temperatures and such. Um, you know, if Chicago's hosting this game in December and the snow and, and all that, that's a different ordeal. Right now, I think it's this is a very winnable time to go into Soldier Field and get a victory. I'll take Minnesota to cover that two-and-a-half-point margin as an underdog. The Cowboys take it on the Saints. This game in New Orleans. No Drew Brees for the Saints. It'll be Teddy Bridgewater getting the start. And uh, last week, he played fairly well as the Saints had a, a dominating performance against the Seattle Seahawks. The Cowboys have looked really good to start off 2019. Kellen Moore uh, doing a great job as offensive coordinator there in Dallas. Tom, can the boys take uh, their high-powered offense into New Orleans to get a win against Teddy Bridgewater? You know, I'm going to roll and go ahead, and I'm going to take Teddy in this one. If it was in Dallas, I would take the Cowboys, but it's uh, it's in New Orleans. So uh, with what Teddy did last week against Seattle, I think he can continue that on. Uh, you know, maybe against the Rams, obviously, he kind of was thrust into the situation. I don't think he thought that he was going to get to play in that game. Um, and and I, I think he's, you know, going through the, through the motions here, and I, I think that – he can pull off the upset. I'll take the Saints. Dallas has done very well against New Orleans in the last couple of years, including winning this game 
a season ago against Drew Brees and company. And, uh, Tom, I, I think Teddy's going to be just fine filling in for Drew Brees. I think he'll go, you know, either five, four and two or five and one. But I think this is one of those losses. I like Dallas to cover at two and a half to get that one on the road in New Orleans and uh, Dak to have a nice game against that uh, Saints team. The uh, Titans taking on the Falcons. The uh, Falcons, a four point favorite as they take out the Tennessee Titans. Tom, these are two of the most confusing teams in the National Football League. Every week is different with these guys, but I feel like Atlanta at home is not a bad bet. Um, I think Atlanta can cover four at home. If this game's in Tennessee, I'm taking Tennessee. To me, this comes down to whoever the home team is because I don't feel good about either one of these teams at this point in the year right now. Yeah, you can say that again. They've been very confusing where, you know, Falcons have had Julio Jones has had some really good games, and, and the Titans have come out and, and you know obviously shocked the Browns, and and the Titans have looked very untightened. I mean, Marcus Mariota didn't really expect this uh, out of, of Mariota and Derrick Henry, but this is what we're getting. I will take the Falcons in this one, and I'll agree with you that if it was in Tennessee, I'd be more apt to pick the Titans, but uh, in, in Atlanta, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with the Falcons. Last one, the Chiefs and the Lions, two undefeated teams, technically speaking, as the Lions are 2-0-1, the Chiefs 3-0. Chiefs coming off that win against the Ravens last week. The Lions are at home in this one. Tom, um, I know the Lions are off to a good start to this year, but this is not going to last. I think the Lions are a complete fraud of a football team. I am selling this team with every penny I have in my wallet. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to roll over the Lions, and this game might be over by halftime. Chiefs are a six-point favorite. I think they'd take care of business pretty easily. I'm not going to I'm not gonna go that route with it. I don't think the Lions are complete fraud. I like what Patricia's doing. Um, and, you know, Stafford again kind of flies under the radar. I think that's the Lions team that does fly under the radar. Um, I wouldn't say the Chiefs roll them. I would say the Chiefs win by 14, and obviously that's not the spread. So I think the Chiefs uh, go ahead and cover and win. So there you have it. Those are our picks of this week. Tom and I disagree on about three games out of the 10 this week. Uh, I'm going with Virginia at a 12-point underdog to cover. He's going with Notre Dame. We both like Washington to cover at nine and a half. I'll take K State as a five point underdog. Tom likes Oklahoma State to cover at a five point favorite. We both like Ohio State to cover eighteen. Iowa State to cover two and a half. The Packers to cover four and a half, and the Vikings to win as a two and a half point underdog. Uh, I like the Cowboys to cover two and a half. Tom's taking the Saints as a two and a half point dog. And we both like the Falcons to cover four and the Chiefs to cover six. So those are our picks for this week. You can follow along all season long. Our uh, pick them standings. Tom and I not doing so hot right now to uh, start off the year. Uh, Billy and Derek leading this thing at 23-16-1. Reed behind them as well as Brian at 20-19-1. Thomas is at 19-20-1 and I'm at 18-21-1. So here's to hopefully better luck for this week and the rest of the season. This is going to be our turnaround week. Uh, let's get rich, folks, here on a week five of the uh, Pick'em Slate for uh, the season so far at this point. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? You know, we're going to go to one of your favorite states. We're going up to Iowa. I was just there last uh, week. 
Right, you know, we're going to uh, look at the Bush Latte. Are we ignoring the Casey's Pizza up there this time? Uh, you know, it might be time for some Casey's Pizza after this one. Um, you know, most of the listeners out there have heard this story about the, the guy making the sign for Iowa State and donating all that money to uh, that Iowa hospital, Children's Hospital. And uh, the the title of the article, One Million or One Million Viral Beer Money Guy, Carson King, Dropped by Bush over racist tweets. Jones, uh, before I start this, it just goes to show you that it is always important to clean up your Twitter before you get famous. A college football fan who raised more than $1 million with a joke sign begging for beer money was exposed for writing old racist tweets, forcing his beloved Bushlight to dump him. Carson King, 24, who became a viral sensation with the sign held up on TV saying Bushlight supply needs replenished, on September 14th, then promised that money rolled into a local kid's hospital. It was revealed that he made offensive posts as a 16-year-old high school sophomore in 2012. They included one comparing black mothers to gorillas, according to a report by Des Moines Register. But on Wednesday, critics of the unearthed offensive tweets published by the Register reporter in 2010 and 2013, making light of abusing women and mocking same-sex marriage legislation, the Washington Post reported. Critics of Aaron Calvin's report asked why the outlet dug so far into the past of an ordinary person who selflessly raised money for six kids. King quickly apologizes, saying he was embarrassed and stunned by his, by his offensive and hurtful attempts at humor as a teen. But he was still dropped by Bush Beer, the company that called him Carson King, Iowa legend, on a personalized beer can's picture of his face as it promised him a year's supply of brews. Carson King had multiple social media posts that do not align with our values as a brand or a company, and we will have no further association with him, and Anheuser Bush told Market Watch on Tuesday. However, Bush stressed that it was still matching donations until the end of the month, with its involvement key in helping King raise more than $1.14 million for the University of Iowa Stead Family Children's Hospital. We are honoring our commitment by donating more than 350000 to the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, the firm told the publication. Venmo, which also matched King's fundraising, did not respond to Markets Watch request for comment. In his online Mia Culpa, King noted the irony in social media bringing viral fame and causing it to crash down. It has the power to bring people together for, for the common good. It can also make your life very public, he said, in highlighting anti-racism posts he made in the years after his offensive ones. Jones, we've all said dumb stuff, you know, and like I said before I started this, it's important to clean up your Twitter. Uh, I've cleaned up mine multiple times. Uh, not anything racist per se, but just a lot of angry tweets at Iowa State and a lot of angry tweets at <laughs> other teams LSU loses to. Also, I'm pretty sure that I've cussed out Mark Cuban. And I'm pretty really? sure that I've also cussed out the Warriors. Not maybe directly at him, but I'm pretty sure I've said F the Mavs before. We probably should um, go back and listen to some of those old shows and maybe delete a few. I, I believe there's a tape out there of me something is saying something about Tim Tebow at a Super Bowl that probably needs to be erased from the record um, altogether. Because, uh, you know, that we started the show when we were, you know, babies pretty much. Uh, right. literally uh, and so we were young and stupid and well we still are pretty stupid too but uh, yeah, I, I hate to see this for this guy that he had to go through this um, 
He's not a celebrity looking for attention. He was trying to raise money for a children's hospital. He doesn't deserve to be doxxed and have these tweets exposed um, for just raising money for a children's hospital. It's not like he's a you know celebrity or a public figure of some sorts. Um, he's not a criminal either. Uh, this is ridiculous that they would do this. And the fact that this is the standard in journalism today to go through people's old tweets is just absurd. Uh, I would almost wish that Twitter would take away the search button for stuff like this. Because uh, you hate to see that happen to just normal people to go through something like this where they're exposed. There's been some funny ones in the past of finding some old tweets of people. I mean, it, it can be. In this case, though, what, what was there? What was the end game? Where did the Des Moines Register really benefit from all this? Uh, where where where'd they win in all this in their reporting? And usually, I'm not one to criticize the media. Uh, in but this one, to me, I felt was undeserved attention. That this guy did not need to have to go through this. I'm disappointed to see that he had to do this. And then on Anheuser Busch's end, for them to back off like they did, and you know, say that they're not supporting this guy because of what he said in the past. He's 24 now. He said that when he was 16. Part of it was in reference to some Daniel Tosh skit on uh, Tosh.0, which I think all of us watched back in the day in the uh, in the 2000s. If you weren't watching Tosh.0, I mean, you probably didn't have much of a life. Uh, I mean, that guy was hilarious and said some great stuff. I mean, the, the, the Lane Kiffin bit in particular with uh, Daniel Tosh was really good. Um, but anyways... Um, with that all being said, I, I think that this, to me, is just very sad to see. Raised some great money. It was for a great cause. And there's always a bad apple that comes in to try to ruin everybody else's fun. And in this case, it was the Des Moines Register. Right. I mean, they didn't have to dig through his tweets. They could have just left it as is. It's not like he was making any extra money. It's not like he was getting anything extra from this other than raising more money to donate to the hospitals and it's just like all right like where does it become a witch hunt at that point where okay well something's wrong we're having too much good of a time let's uh dig through and uh find some uh i mean that's basically what it comes down to and it's you know i mean what they would have found something had it not been racist tweets or anything else they would have found something on him maybe he you know they would have been like well uh, there was a picture of him uh, as an 18-year-old drinking a Keystone, right? They would have found something on him. They're like, well, we don't support underage drinking, uh, even though we're a cheap beer that a lot of kids do a gas station beer run for. Uh, they would have found something or, or another, whether it have been tweets, whether it have been old pictures. They'd have been like, well, we don't support a guy who gets a 2.5 GPA. We are only for... Guys that make three point GPA or higher, right? If you, they're below that, you can't drink Bush. Or you know, I guess it wasn't necessarily Bush; it was the Des Moines Register. But uh, if if I'm this guy, I'm never buying a Des Moines Register ever again in my life. Right? No, thank you. Uh, fake news. Uh, the Des Moines Register uh, finding this information. Fake news. Enemy of the people. Literally, this uh, this paper is uh, putting out this information and uh, hurting a good cause uh, with uh, their smear campaign on this guy here and uh, shame on anheuser-busch for dropping out and not being a part of this you know you, you weather the storm it's for a good cause 
Um, you know, you can't fault the guy for what he said when he was that young. I mean, that's just stupid uh, that people would, would fault that. And, and here's the other, the other thing, Tom. Here's how I look at it. And, and tell me what you think of this. In the legal aspect, you, what we do is when you turn 18 years old, if you committed a crime when you were a minor, it gets wiped from the record books completely as if it never happened. You know, I mean, you could, you know, steal something or whatever it may be. You robbed a bank when you were, when you were 13. I don't know, whatever it may be. Now, there's every once in a while you get tried for an adult. But for the most part, we wipe your record completely. That should be the case here. We can't hold him accountable for what he did when he was 16 years old. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. And it's just like, come on, like, the guy tries to do good, and then you go and just tear him down for something that happened however many years ago. Uh, and it's, it's not like he killed anybody. You know, he might have made a, a bad attempt at humor on Twitter, like we all have. And maybe it's, you know, not as... Maybe it's a little worse than my attempts at bad humor, but at the same time, I didn't raise a million dollars for a hospital. I let the guy be. Right. Go easy on him. You know, I mean, right. give him a break. There's there's other concerns and uh, other things that they sh- should be worried about in their reporting than uh, going after this guy and what he's done. And, uh, Tom, I, I think you'll want to join me in this. Uh, from this day forward, we are we are not drinking Bush Light. We're going on strike from Bush Light. You know, I was I was I've always been on a Bush Light street. You know, uh, a strike from Bush Light. Any Bush beer. Really. That's a, that's a minor detail. We're, we're we we're not acting like that happened previously. You know, this is right. Now. Yeah, from this point forward, no Bush. No more Bush. No more Bush. Um, and we hope that you all join us in our protests at Bush. Unless they want to sponsor us, then we'll drink all the Bush in the world, all the Bush that you give right. us until they dox our tweets, you know, and find out what we said in the past. Um, which, please, please don't do that. Um, there might be something out there. I don't know. I don't want to know what I've said in the past. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to, Tom, to be let go from my job because of what I said about Tim Tebow at a Super Bowl. I hope that doesn't come back to bite me and you just end my career. Right, exactly. I mean, you don't want to uh, find something out that you were, uh, you know, an OU fan before KU fan. You know, you can't, you, you don't want to find that out. Right, or that you were an OU fan before you were an OSU fan. Right, that is the truth. I don't, I, you know, I think I had changed over by the time I got Twitter, actually, so I think I'm clear. I found some Facebook posts of yours that I think I still have somewhere. Where nobody doxes Facebook, though. <laughs> it can be done. Just watch. It, yeah, it can be. Damn those, damn those Facebook memories. Oh, my gosh. Aren't those the worst? I'm in process of deleting every cringeworthy whatever it may be every time I come across them. And everybody I'm, has them, too. It's not like that nobody has them. I mean, everybody's got some cringeworthy Facebook memories. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't, then you just got a Facebook. If you didn't have a right. Facebook as a kid, then you still have the cringeworthiness. I remember in particular, not- Tom, there, there's two things that stand out to me on the cringeworthy Facebook memories. One of those being is when Facebook, they would put that thing on a post that said, uh, what is on your mind? And everybody thought that your name was the start of a post. And they would say, like, Tyler Jones 
is having a good day or whatever. Like, no, that's not how that works anymore. Um, right. The other is like the photo qualities. We have improved improved drastically when it comes to our picture qualities on our phones. And the early pictures I had were just awful on my flip phone compared to the picture I can take nowadays. And I still wondered, why did anyone even like my photos or in my posts, uh, considering how crappy my camera quality was? Right, yeah, it was that bad, the photo quality back then. Uh, but, you know, it, everybody was uh, subject to it, so it wasn't as bad as we thought. And I bet back then we probably thought it was a lot better than it was years previous. Was there any word in particular you may have misspelled or two that took you a while took you a while to catch on? No, there wasn't anything that just like that necessarily. There was the is factor and then I would post a lot of ambiguous like song lyrics in different posts that I still <laughs> wonder like what was I talking about? I mean, I think everybody gets that, like, oh, what was I trying to say, or what happened that day that I was all down in the dumps? Or now that's you're like, good. now you're like, man, that's a terrible song. What was I thinking? Right, exactly. <laughs> my, my thing was, uh, for the longest time, Tom, I didn't realize, for whatever reason, and, and remember, I was very young when Facebook started, too, when uh, I joined, like, 2009, I was still in middle school, I thought that tomorrow had an A in it for some reason. You know, I, I can see that misspelling. <laughs> oh, I, I'm so glad when every web browser added spell check, that's saved right, by Megan. You're like, okay, thank God. Like, yeah, okay. I remember when it used to be just Google Chrome had spell check, and that's what got everybody on Chrome was for spell check. Now, like, every web browser on the planet has it. I mean, that changed the right. game. That saved it's us saving, a bit. It's saving the uneducated, I swear. Yes, uh, the the highly uneducated like Tom and I. Uh, we love the highly uneducated around here. Got to right. run. Big thanks to Brendan Zitter for joining us. Give him a follow and uh, appreciate him stopping by. We'll definitely have him back on. He was a rock star on today's show. And uh, appreciate you, the listener, for hanging out with us here on the Jones Report today. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, you can follow us on social media at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group on Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram at Tyler Jones Live, at Insta Thomas, at Jones underscore Report. You can find us there on the gram. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. We'll see you next week here on the Jones Report. So long. The Jones Report. F*** yeah.